So as we continue looking at Matthew chapter 2, we are taking a, during Advent, we are taking a a four to five week little uh, break from our larger sermon series. Our larger sermon series is Isaiah, as we've been going through uh, the book of Isaiah, looking at the gospel according to Isaiah. But here for Advent, we're looking at Matthew. And uh, this Sunday, we're going to be focusing in on verses 13 through 18. But I'm going to go up and read, starting at verse 1, just to read from last week and this week, the whole context of what we're looking at. So I'm going to be reading Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. You can find us on page 956 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their country by another route. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, 
took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we pray that you would guide us in this time. Father, we thank you for your scriptures, for your word, breathed out by you. Father, we pray that you would guide us, that you would give us wisdom and discernment through the power of of your Holy Spirit. That we would know the truth. For to know the truth is to know your Son, Jesus Christ. And to know your Son, Jesus Christ, and his word is to be set free. Father, we, we look to you in this time. In Christ's wonderful name. Amen. As we continue to look at Matthew, we see how sovereign God is. We see how everything is being brought about according to his will and his ways. We see where his plan for the redemption of his people is taking place in exactly the way that he desires. This is a powerful reality. And this is something we have to hold on to. But we also have to remember also that God is good. That he's holy. That he's perfect. God can never do evil, nor can he tempt anyone to do evil. And God is absolutely sovereign. There is nothing that takes place that is not according to his will and his plan and his ways. So when we look at Matthew chapter 2, we have to understand those truths and that vital reality. Because that's the reality presented throughout the scriptures. And that's why we trust God in all circumstances. That's why we rejoice in all circumstances. That's why we are able to hope in Jesus Christ in all circumstances. Knowing that God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. And His will and His ways will Come about. 
As we enter into this passage, we see in verse 15 and then verse 18, we're going to be drawn, as Matthew does throughout this time looking at the birth of Jesus Christ, we're going to see two prophecies fulfilled. Two times where, where Matthew takes us back, first to Hosea and then second to Jeremiah, and he says, this has all been predestined. This has all been planned by God from before the foundation of the earth. And this is very important because here we have Jesus born in such a humble state. And here we have the baby Jesus whose life is threatened from the very beginning. Where from the very beginning we see that at the birth of Jesus Christ, there are those who want to destroy him. From the very beginning. Remember God's giving the gospel in Genesis. God said in Genesis to the serpent, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. So here we see the great battle waged throughout the scriptures where the devil, he is cast down from heaven because of his rebellion. He takes a third of the angels. So you have the devil and demonic and the devil, all the devil knows how to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. And all the devil knows how to do is lie. But Jesus Christ came that we may have life. And Jesus Christ is the truth. And he is the way. He is the only way to the Father. So here we see this continual battle in the scriptures where the darkness tries to extinguish the light. But as the Gospel of John makes clear, the darkness will not overcome the light. Jesus Christ is victorious. He is King. He is Lord. And God's plan will come about. So as you see here in Matthew 2, Again, we see in verse 13, the angel of the Lord again appears to Joseph as he did before. And he warns him, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So here we see Herod's evil Wicked, twisted intent. Herod wants to destroy the child. He wants to kill this one who has been prophesied about and who the Magi have come to worship. He wants to kill this supposed, in his eyes, king. And we see where Joseph obeys as he did before. Verse 14, he takes the child and his mother by night and they depart to Egypt. And again, we see where God provided through the wise men, provided those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they have these means to travel and survive their time in Egypt. 
This is all for a purpose. It's all for a purpose. And that's what verse 15 makes clear. And remain there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill. So remember, every detail, everything is brought together by God. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And here we see the quote from Hosea 1. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, if you go to Hosea chapter 11, you see in verse 1, this is where the quote from, but I'm going to read a little more from Hosea chapter 11 because I think we see here something of vital importance about who Christ is and why he goes to Egypt and why this takes place. So if you go to Hosea chapter 11, again, if you start at verse 1, which is quoted by Matthew in our text. So Hosea 11, starting at verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And then here we see the quote. And out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 2. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Verse 3. Now here you have this tender language of God the Creator. The Savior, the Redeemer, God Almighty, referring to Israel as his son. In verse, verse 3 of Hosea 11, he says this, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Verse 5, They shall not return to the land of Egypt, Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. If you go down to verse 7, my people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. But then it continues to verse 9. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. So in Hosea, you have this prophecy where God is warning his people through the prophet. He's speaking of why why judgment is going to come because the people of God, Israel, his son has continued to be disobedient. They have broken the commandments. They have went after idols. They have been immoral, corrupt, and rebellious. And it's depicted as a son whom a loving father has raised and fed 
and taught, taught to walk, fed from the spoon, bent down in a tender way, carried in his arms. And yet this child, when they come to age, has rebelled, has pushed the father aside and went their own way in complete rebellion. And you have a a grief being portrayed in the Scriptures from God about His wayward son Israel. So this is the prophecy speaking that there will one day be a son born of Mary, born of the Virgin, born in Bethlehem, and this son will not rebel. He's not going to rebel. That this son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, that he will live a perfect, holy, obedient life. That he will obey every law, every command. That he will fulfill every prophecy that was spoken of him. That he will come to be the true Israel where Israel failed. That he will come to be the perfect, obedient son where God's son Israel fell short. And this is very good news. Is remember how the law works. The law works like this. If you obey the law perfectly, you'll be saved. That's how the law works. If you obey the law perfectly, you will be saved. If you do everything that the law demands perfectly, you'll be saved. And that's the law through Moses. And the law is good. But all the law can do is imprison everyone under sin. All the law can ultimately do is say this, we are condemned. Why? Because none of us who are conceived in sin can obey the law perfectly. Not one of us. So we're all under condemnation. We're under wrath. We are under the judgment of destruction. The only way we can be saved is if someone obeys the law for us. If someone's righteousness is credited to us, if our sin is taken by him, that's the only way we can be saved. So you have the gospel being portrayed here that though Israel, which was the son of God, Israel fell short, that they ultimately rebelled and disobeyed the law. Here is this eternally begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, who will be the Son who goes to Egypt. And just as Israel was freed from Egypt, yet ultimately rebelled against God, here is the Son who will go and leave Egypt and will be perfect and holy and right. Jesus going to Egypt and coming out of Egypt 
and being the true son, the obedient son, the true Israel of God, is more than just a convenient working together of Old Testament prophecy. It is the only way we're saved. It is the only hope that we have. Because we need someone who has obeyed the law perfectly. So that we can be saved, not by obedience to the law, but we can be saved by grace. Through faith in the one who obeyed the law, who is the true son, who fulfilled everything that Israel was supposed to fulfill, but they fell short. It was all pointing to the need of a Savior. And that's what we see as being fulfilled and presented here by by Joseph taking Mary and Jesus and going to Egypt to fulfill this prophecy in Hosea. And this prophecy in Hosea ultimately speaks of how Israel, God's son, fell short. So there is a need of a obedient son which is jesus christ so we see where jesus is the true israel that jesus is that promised offspring who will crush the serpent's head and he will crush it through his perfect obedient life he will crush it through his sacrificial death on the cross he will crush it through his victorious resurrection he will crush it through his, through his ascension, his intercession for the people of God at the right hand of God. And oh, hallelujah, when he comes again as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what, this, what Hosea is presenting here in this prophecy concerning this son of Mary who is the son of God. Yet as we go on to verse 16, we see here where the darkness continues to try to extinguish the light. And we see here where where the devil, we see here where Herod, a fallen, wicked individual, tries to destroy the will of God. And ways of God. Herod ultimately is fighting against God himself. And let me tell you, that's not a good fight to be in. I don't recommend it. It's not going to go well. But that's what deception does. Ultimately, deception is that we think that we can fight against God and that we can win. That's the ultimate deception. And that's what we see taking place here in Herod. So verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men. Again, he's he's so distorted. The wise men didn't trick him. The only thing the wise men did is once they went and worshipped the Christ, the angel came and told him and told him Herod's scheme. That's how twisted Herod was. Herod told them to go search for the child so that he could go worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. He wanted to destroy him. 
And that's what we see is so clearly presented in our text here. So verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region. We so often forget those next few words. It isn't just in Bethlehem. It's that entire surrounding region that he sent in his troops to slaughter the male children. All of them two years and younger, again, in the hopes that he could destroy this Christ. According to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Again, when we're confronted by such evil, it it can seem overwhelming. When we see such evil like this, the innocent slaughter of these male children, it can shake us and we can wonder, is God in charge? The answer is yes. Yes, he is. Even in the face of such evil, even in the face of such horror. As you go through the scriptures, again, we're taken to Egypt. If you look at Exodus chapter 4, you have this statement where, where God is sending Moses. So, Exodus chapter 4. Starting at verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let my people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. This is God speaking through Moses, giving this ultimatum concerning Pharaoh. Here again, ultimately, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the eternally begotten Son who will be obedient where Israel failed to be obedient. But yet, Jesus had to go to Egypt and come out of Egypt. But we see, as we see here with Herod, Herod and all his attempts to destroy Christ is the same thing that from the beginning... From the beginning, where the devil goes up, and the devil wants to be worshipped, rather worship the one true God. And the devil deceives and takes the third of the angels. And we see this depiction of what Herod is doing here in verse 16, where he goes to have the children killed. 
we see ultimately it's spoken of in Revelation 12. This is the text that was read during the Advent. I'll read it again to you. Revelation 12, starting at verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. So here we have the the devil and the, the demonic. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil is not content with striking the heel of the offspring. He wants to destroy the Christ. That's all the devil knows how to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. So that's what he wants to do. Verse 5. We see where Herod is the instrument at this time of trying to bring that about. Yet verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. It's an important, important lesson. We learn this in Job. We learn this throughout the scriptures. The devil comes, but the devil can only do to this point where God allows and permits. The devil can do nothing and have no power and authority that isn't allowed by God. And ultimately, even the schemes and workings of the devil, God turns for good for all those who love him. What we see in this story, we see in the Joseph story, we see throughout the scripture It's as Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God works for good. It's the same thing with Herod here. And as we see in verse 17, we have another prophecy fulfilled. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah. Weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. And we have this prophecy pointing to this time where you're going to have mother after mother. Who knows how many families, how many mothers Because this wasn't just Bethlehem, it was the entire surrounding region. We have no idea how many mothers held in their arms a slaughtered son at this time. We have no idea. And the scriptures lifts up the uncontrollable weeping and wailing in the torn hearts of this evil done at the hands of Herod. A grief 
beyond comprehension. Yet in the midst of such evil, in such pain, in such loss, we see the promise of God that He is bringing His Savior so that hope and peace and comfort can be found in Jesus Christ. Again, I take you to that Jeremiah 31. When, when an Old Testament verse is referenced, it isn't just those words or that little line that's, that's referenced. It's, it's that section. So if you look at this section that's quoted here, verse 18 of Matthew 2, it's, it's, it's found in Jeremiah 31. And I'm going to read you the full context, verses 15 through 17. So it's, this is where, where uh, Matthew is quoting from the prophet. Jeremiah 31. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lament and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. But then if you go to the next two verses, in the midst of the most horrific grief and pain, you have a promise given by God. Verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. There's the promise. There's the promise. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. It's an amazing thing when you consider the story of the coming of Jesus Christ. You have Joseph and Mary... They come, there's no room, so they're, they're there with the animals. You have angelic hosts inviting shepherds. Then after a time, you have wise men coming and worshiping the Christ child. They worship the Christ child. And then you already have, when Jesus is somewhere between likely one and two years old, you have a plot from Herod to kill the child. You have Joseph and Jesus and Mary having to flee to Egypt and then waiting for when they can return, when it is safe enough for Christ to come back to his people to fulfill His promises for the people of God. 
It's a humbling thing to consider these, this truth. But again, we must remember, just as sure as the prophecies of Hosea and Jeremiah were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the promises that are presented for all those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are true and right and good. Again, as Jeremiah 31 continued after the prophecy cited here in verse 17, it says, There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And I just want you to realize that for everyone here who knows Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for those here who believe, if you know and believe and you love him, if you know and trust that he died on the cross, so that your sins would be paid for. For the wrath that we deserve, that that He took that wrath, so that we would receive His righteousness, His holiness, that we would be made right with God. If you believe in that and trust in that, know that God works all things according to His will and plan, and He works all things for the good of his people. And no matter what is meant for evil against us, God works for good. Know that. Trust that. Believe that. But also, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if, 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 if you don't believe, if, if, If it isn't everything to you that Christ died on the cross for your sins and that you are set free from him, if if you don't know Jesus as King of kings and Lord and lords, and I just pray, I plead with you. Jesus is everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything that is life and true. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Stop fooling yourself. Trust in Christ. Know Jesus Christ. Worship him like the Magi. He is everything. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we thank you that that no no matter how Herod tried to destroy your son, he was not victorious. Father, we pray that no matter what the schemes of of the devil, and no matter how our sinful flesh continues to battle against us and how the world around us rages against us, Father, we are so, so comforted to know that you work all things to good. No matter how painful, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, that we can trust you in all circumstances and that we can say your timing and your ways are perfect. 
Oh, Lord, we thank you. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.